How are you guys doing today? Happy New Year. Can you hear me? That's the voice. I, I told them I want more authority in my voice this year, so, so that's why you get that right there. Well, I am so glad to be here today. We are leaving one year behind and starting a new year, and so many amazing things have happened at the orchard in 2021. Uh, you'll be getting, those of you who are contributing, you'll be getting a financial letter that outlines so much of what God has done this past year. And in writing that, I was just humbled at all the things that he has done in us and through us, things that we could not have arranged on our own. I mean, uh, not only just God reaching to the the islands of Vanuatu, but also just as as being a pastor, the emails I get and the stories that I hear, many of which I can't pass on to you, of how God is moving deeply and authentically in people's lives. And we have marriages this year in 2021 that were on the brink of divorce, that have, there's been redemption. We have, we have, there's so many things that have happened in our church and it's just amazing to see what God has done. In fact, just this past, a couple days ago, our youth ministry had a New Year party and they had 16 students give their life to Jesus, which is amazing, Yes. And that's, that's a month after they had 22 students, uh, other students give their life to Jesus. It's cool to see God moving in our youth here at the orchard, God moving in so many ways through us. And I want to talk today in the ways that God wants us to grow in 2022. As we celebrate what God has done, it's time to look ahead and see what God was going to do in us and through us. And I've spent some time thinking and praying about what God would have for us as a church both here in this room and those joining us online and wherever else. And there's two different themes that God brought to mind for us to engage in this coming year. Two different ways God's asking us, the orchard, to move into. And listen, here's what's funny is that we think when there's a new year, that when 1159 turns to midnight, we party. It's a whole new thing. But how different is that 1159 to midnight person? How different are you in that minute? You're still kind of the same. It's been one minute. You're kind of the same, right? There's not much difference. But what we want here is to be marked, changed, and transformed. So that at 1159 of this year, on December 31st, you are not the person that you are today. That's what this sermon is about. Who we're going to be as the orchard going forward and looking forward this year so that at December 31st, the end of this year, you have seen true character and life transformation in your life. That's what we're after. We want to see God move in some amazing ways. I mean, what if, there were, what if you could experience some true and practical real life change in your character? What if you could see some change in your anxiety? or maybe your depression, or what about in the, your vices, or those private struggles that you, you face? What if there could be some transformation, both successes at home and, and at work and personally? And, and here's, the, here's the fun part. I waited till this week to give this sermon, because I knew last week was the second, January 2nd, and you still had your resolutions. But by this point, by now you've already eaten those carbs. Yeah, you've already skipped the gym. Those resolutions are already broken. And here's my challenge is that maybe you don't need a resolution. What we're going to talk about today is a revolution in your life that by the end of this year could, could transform you in many ways. So let's talk about this first, this first theme that, that God has been bringing to the surface. There is a creeping cancer in the American church culture. And when I mention the church today, I'm going to talk about the church. I'm not talking about the church um, global, although we are all the bride of Christ. I'm not just talking about the orchard. I'm mainly discussing right here the American culture of the church. We have a different culture than they do in Africa or in Korea or anywhere else. 
So we're talking about this creeping cancer here in the American church culture. And there's these three kind of groups that are growing. There's, there's the theism group, I believe in God. There's this atheism group, uh, I don't believe in God. And there's this growing number of apathyism. Eh. Either way, it's uh, I'm not, the, the indifference. There's a power, the power of apathy in our culture is rising. I believe apathy is the greatest threat to Christianity in our culture. Even for us, even for people who sit in a building like this every single Sunday, it's not that we don't believe in God, it's that we're apathetic toward what he would have in our lives. It's not that we don't believe Jesus died, it's that we're indifferent to how he wants us to live in light of that death. I see apathy in our pursuit of God in our own personal lives. There's apathy when it comes to holiness. Holiness is saying yes to what God wants you to say yes to. And holiness is saying no to those sins and temptations he wants you to say no to. And there's an apathy there, an indifference to holiness. There's a growing apathy when it comes to church itself and how people engage. Uh, 2019, church for many was at least a habit, like this kind of what we do. But for many, it's take, the past two years have taken a severe hit on our culture and our habits of even being a part of a church. We are apathetic in, in many ways to God's creation of the church. You know this was his idea, right? And how he made it. Apathy and indifference. These are the, the true killers when it comes to living the life that God is calling us to. And so I want to talk about this for a minute. That's why the first theme for 2022 for us, the orchard, is the word engage. That we would engage that we would, we would move into something. As church and individuals, we would engage in new ways spiritually. To engage in something casts aside apathy. To engage in something combats the creep, creeping indifference in our lives. To simply engage your heart, engage your energy, engage yourself in something that combats the apathy. What does it look like to engage in a new way this year? What would that look like for you? We named our son Elijah after the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament so that he would stand for God even if everyone else in the culture decided not to. As, as he and I have been reading through the Bible, one, we read through 1 Kings a lot to, to, to read about Elijah. And there's this one verse where he says, Daddy, this is my verse. And so it's kind of my eight-year-old's verse. He, it says this in 1 Kings 17.5, Elijah did what the Lord told him. Now his name's Elijah, so it's pretty personal to him. This is a first I think each of us should personalize. I think somewhere on, with dry erase on your mirror or on your wall or somewhere you should, you should write down in your notes, put your name, did what the Lord told her. Daniel did what the Lord told him. I mean, it, it sounds simple enough, correct? God, we want to do what you tell us. And I, I would, if we took a poll in this place, we would probably all say, I want to do what God tells me. Of course I want to do what God tells me. But Elijah, when we were sitting there talking about what that meant, he's like, Daddy, I want to do what God tells me. And he, he's an introvert, so he stopped and he just started thinking. And as an extrovert, I don't know what to do during those moments because I just, I think by talking. So he's just, he's silently thinking, I'm, I'm letting him ponder. And then he asked the question, how do I know what God asks of me? How do I know what God tells me? Which is the question. You see, you can't do what God tells you unless you know what God is telling you. You can't know what God want, would ask of you if you don't hear him asking. You want to engage. You want to say yes to what God asks of you, but how do you know? And so 
we're going to engage in what God's asked of us, if we're going to engage in what God asks of us, then we should probably as a people know what he's asking of us. Now in his word, he's given revelation of so much of what it means. But Elijah did what God asked of him. What was the source of that in Elijah's life, the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament? How did he come to know what God would want of him? The prophet, we follow his life all throughout his account. He's hearing from God. But as we stay on the trail of Elijah, we go to 1 Kings 19. And we find this old prophet. We find him in a cave on the side of a mountain. And God tells him, hey, prepare yourself. I'm going to come by. My presence is going to be there. So Elijah is in the cave waiting to walk out into the presence of God. He's waiting for God to call him out. And it says this in 1 Kings 19.11, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. Now, if I'm Elijah and this wind hits this area, I'm thinking, this must be God. You're waiting for God to, 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 to reveal himself, and suddenly a wind of this magnitude shakes the rocks and tears apart the mountain. I mean, this is a mighty gust. I mean, if we look at our past year, can't we admit there's been a lot of hot air gusting in our culture. There's been a mighty wind blowing, a lot of gusting, a lot of hot air. Elijah's wind tore the mountain apart, but our gusting in our culture has torn families apart. It's torn friendships apart. It's torn a nation apart. There's been some mighty gusting, some mighty winds, and they have torn relationships and people. The past year, we have heard a blowing wind, and, and oftentimes, imagine yourself there in that cave waiting for God's presence. He's, he's calling you to come out when he calls, and you hear that blowing wind, and guess what? We answer the call of that wind. We go out there. It, it's, it's, we're curious to hear what it's saying this time, and, and, and you know what we do? When all that hot air hits us, oftentimes, we just pass it right on to somebody else. We become a part of the mighty gusting, tearing apart relationships, tearing others down. But what did Elijah do? It says there was a great and powerful wind that tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind, and Elijah knew it. Elijah in that cave, waiting for God, waiting for God to call him out and to speak to him, he experiences something else next. It says after the wind, there was an earthquake, and now an earthquake is no small matter. An earthquake, that's the ground below you shaking the, founda- the foundation shaking. This, this throws us off balance. And for many of us, can we admit that we have been thrown off balance this last year? There's been a mighty shaking, both personally, nationally, however you want to look at it. But we have been thrown off balance. There's been some things that have been severely shaken, perhaps, in your life. Maybe it's a relationship that has been shaken or even broken. Perhaps it's financial. Your finances have been shaken or your faith in society, government, politics, media, all shaken. How about some of us, we have to admit our faith in God has been shaken. There has been a, a quake and we have been thrown off balance. Our culture has been shaken. Our morality has been shaken. Elijah's world was shaken and this would have been an urgent experience. He's there waiting for God, but suddenly the, the mountain, the place he's standing is shaken. Shouldn't he at least go out and see what, what's going on? Surely he should go join in the panic. Surely he should go join in the frustration. Surely he should at least go out and see all that's shaking, right? What'd the prophet do? After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. He stayed where he was. 
Elijah didn't answer the gusting of the hot air and he didn't go out and join in the shaking of the world around him. He had set apart this time to be with the Lord and he would not be distracted or deterred. So he waited. After the earthquake came a fire. Now, this has got to be God, right? You know, there's one thing about fire. Fire by its nature is urgent. Think of a fire alarm. Do you ever heard, have you ever heard a peaceful fire alarm? Hey, might want to come check it out. Fire alarms wake you up. Fire alarms, you, I mean, you smell, everything about a fire is urgent. And how often throughout your day are you just going around putting out fires in your life? Just urgent things, big and small, of all different ways. We're putting out fires. There is an urgency in our life to go running around reacting to things that are happening around us. Urgent matters are often the enemy of what matters most. Urgent problems are the greatest distraction from your most vital purpose. There are things constantly vying for your attention that are urgent. We live in a culture that whatever is loudest wins. We live in a culture that whoever's screaming and making the most noise gets the attention. This is why we see mandates pull people off mission. This is where we see politics pull people off purpose. This is where we see earthly divisiveness drain our heavenly devotion. The fires of our culture, the fires of our society, they get the swiftest response. Elijah settled in his heart, setting time aside, waiting for God's presence. He felt the fires of, these, of urgency rip through the world. And what did he do? After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. He didn't let the burning of the cultural issues get his greatest attention. He didn't go out to see what was going on out there. He was holding out for something far, far greater, far more important. Elijah passed through all that this world had to offer. The blowing of the wind to tempt him to come out, the shaking of the earth to get him off balance, and the raging of the fire to capture his attention. But through it all, what did Elijah the prophet do? He waited. Elijah disengaged from the tyranny of the urgent. He didn't answer the culture's screams, no matter how loud to get his attention, because there was something else Elijah knew that he needed. And here's what it says. After the fire came a still, small voice. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. He went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. You see, Elijah, who knew God's voice, he stayed where he was, unmoved, even though there was incredibly loud and chaotic things going on around him. He made room in his life. He set time aside to hear and be in God's presence. And through the tumult, that all wanted to distract him and rob him of that moment. And then Elijah hears the gentle whisper of God, the still small voice. And he put his cloak over his head. And he stepped out onto holy ground. The Hebrew word here for still small voice is the word demama. Everybody say demama. You're a Hebrew scholar today. That's where they get the word still, demama. 
But Demama's meaning and how I believe, it changes how I read this because Demama means silent. See, Elijah experienced the loud, hot air blowing and gusting out there that tore the mountain apart. He experienced the shaking and the sound that would be this fire raging. And then in the quiet of that place, he heard the silent voice of God to the secret place of his soul. In the silence, he heard God and answered the call and walked out onto holy ground. Why is this important? Why is it important that he did this? Because if you want to live a life that resembles 1 Kings 17.5, Elijah did what the Lord had told him, then you must hear what the Lord is telling you. If you want to do what God's telling you, you must know the day mama of God. Elijah didn't answer the call of the world around him. He waited for the silent whisper of God's voice to his heart. And that was the source of the prophet's power and his peace and his purpose. That voice. You see, if we answer the call of the hot air, if we answer the call of the shaking, if we answer the raging fires of our culture, then guess what? Our power, our peace, and our purpose will be at the whims of the culture. You ever turned on the TV and every piece of, all the peace you had went out the window? You answered the call of the wind, didn't you? There's a lot of hot air blowing, and you're like, my peace is going. Yeah. If you answer the call of the culture and the chaos and the frustration or the fear, your peace, your power, and your purpose will be at the whim of those things. But Orchard, we want to be a church this year that engages in what matters most that this year, 2022, we could say was a turning point that the source of our power, our peace, and our purpose was in those still moments in the presence of God. My son had another question. He said, that's, that's good, Dad. But how do I know what God's voice sounds like? How do I know it's his voice? Which is the question, right? That's the question. How do I know? And long story short, I took him through, the, I took him through this exercise. And, and do you guys remember, some of you don't, some of you don't remember this. Phones before there was caller ID. Do you remember when it was just like phone call roulette? Like, hello? Oh gosh. You know, now it's the question, do I send them straight to voicemail? They know I did it or did I just let it ring and they don't think I know they called. You know, but that, there was a day when if the phone rang, you answered it and you had no clue who it was. It could have been somebody checking on your extended warranty and all that stuff, but you didn't know. But I, I, t- I told my son, I said, hey, if somebody called you once a year and said, hey, it's me, you'd be like, hey, yeah? Who, and this is? I said, someone called you once a month and they said, hey, it's me. Get familiar. I said, but if someone talked to you every day, even now from an unknown, an unknown number, you just happen to pick it up and someone goes, hey, it's me. And you, talk, you knew this person. You'd go, hey, what's up? You see, there's a familiarity that comes from consistently hearing someone's voice. And you may hear God's voice. You might slow down just enough once a year to hear his voice, his day mama, once a year. And you're like, I don't know if that was God. But the more you press into that voice, the more you press into that holy ground, the more you hear his voice, the more it speaks to that quiet place in your soul. You can be a bonfire six months from now and hear, go talk to that person. Go pay for their coffee. You could be somewhere driving. So you, can, you can hear the day mama amidst your life and you recognize it because you've become familiar with it. 
because you're not answering the call of the culture. You're waiting for the call of your Lord. We need to become familiar with God's voice, but you only do that by engaging in those moments where he calls you to step out, to put your cloak over your head and walk in holy ground and ignore the loud screams and the urgency of our culture. Elijah waited until he heard a voice he had grown familiar with. In Orchard, if there's one thing I want for you this year, it's for you to become familiar with that voice as well. It's kind of silly being a pastor and saying, the one thing I want you to do this year has nothing to do with what you would do in here. (laughs) But we will be a transformed people and your life will be transformed if in your private, personal, spiritual life, you are carting out, making time, and ignoring the shouts and the to-do list that will inevitably come up when you're in that moment. And you wait for the holy ground to read his word, to hear his voice, to feel his presence. To be, be, to be the people who, who God wants us to be, Orchard, we, we need to have those moments to hear his voice, to recognize it, to engage daily in his word and with him. The prophet's power. The prophet's power came from the presence of God. The prophet's purpose came from the voice of God. And the prophet's peace came from the promises of God. And likewise, this year, the one place, the one place you can engage that will redefine so many things in your life is to engage in God's presence daily. I mean, if you trust me about anything in the world, this is the one thing that is truly transformative. That if we pursue and engage in this area, then at 1159, on the 31st of this year, your character will be different. Your private struggles, uh, there will be transformation deep within you. This is the one thing, the, the catalytic place that if you engage here, can truly transform your character, your relationships, your marriage, how you parent. Yeah, as, a, as a boss, as a worker, in 2022, that, that your power to overcome obstacles and people and stuff, your power would come from God's presence. That in 2022, your purpose would come from God's word. That you wouldn't be, want, that you wouldn't be giving handed purposes by other people and, and media or whatever. You would, be, you would know your purpose dis, d- despite the world around you. And then in 2022, you would lie in a new peace. You would rest in a new peace that comes from the promises of God. Because if you knew the promise that God had for you, the promises and you rested in them, there would be a new sense of peace for us. But church, we will never know this if we're constantly answering the call of the wind of our culture, constantly letting the world shake us, constantly letting anger and frustration set ablaze different parts of our life. If there's one place to engage in 2022, it's making time to connect with God and get to know his word and get to know his voice. We cannot live 1 Kings 17 that you did everything the Lord told you unless we are empowered and directed by God. It's time to stop being so disengaged in the one place you were created to be engaged in. Did you know you were created in this world before, before, uh, far above being a husband or a wife or, or a mom or dad or a boss or employee, whatever it is, 
before any other title, you were created to be a daughter of God and to know your heavenly father, to be a son of the king and to know his voice and to say yes. That's your truest purpose on this earth is to have those moments on holy ground and hear the day mama of God. But we get so distracted by the loudness and everything else that goes around us. But your soul was created first and foremost to thrive in his presence. If there's one place to engage, it's right there this year. There are other places for us to engage. And as I prayed through this, there's some catalytic areas that I believe God is asking for us as a church to to maybe re-engage or engage in a new way. And one of them is how we engage in, in, in a purposeful way with God's church. That we engage in a new purposeful way in God's church. As a nation, we have gotten out of the habit based on lots of circumstances and other stuff. It's, it's changed for us. But for many of us, it's time to re-engage that. It's time to re-engage being a part of the, a body of believers. Especially for parents. I want to talk to parents just for a second. Because the stats are in. It's clear Youth are leaving the church in droves when they graduate. And according to studies, the largest reason that kids are leaving the church isn't that they don't love God. It's not that they don't believe in God. It's that their parents didn't model the value that God's church should have in their lives. The parents perhaps showed up as spectators and their children grew up as spectators and they don't want to spectate anymore. We can't be shocked when our kids leave the church and God forbid someday faith. If we're modeling for them a disengaged faith, if we're, if we're not being a part of a thriving church and instead we're choosing to make our, our family revolve around sports or comfort and convenience, and I know that's a hard word, but we can't revolve our, our family around sports and be surprised when they leave the church. They don't know. That's not, they have been shown the value of what it means to be engaged in God's family. And this isn't just a preacher talking because I want you in here. Find somewhere the word is clear about what it means to be a part of God's church. And you know church was his idea, right? He created it. He started it. We need to know our kids are watching. They see what we value. Parents, perhaps it is time to re-engage in church or wherever you may live so that your parents, so your children can see the value They can be a part of it. I mean, even right here on Sunday mornings, we have two teenagers that lead part of our production team. They have place, they have purpose. We want our youth to to, to fall in love with God and fall in love with God's church so that when they leave, they continue on those things. For those those of us without kids, engage in the church in a new way this year, not as a consumer, like, what can you do for me? Not as a spectator, what what are they gonna do today? But as about someone who is invested Someone who is a participant. There's, there's somebody in this church who isn't on staff. I, I don't pay this person. I've never even asked this person to do this, but I watch them each week. They get here and they engage with people. They engage with people on a personal level. And most often after church, I will see this person talking to a small group, sometimes even just one person getting to know them. Not only that, sometimes those conversations have gone beyond the lobby and they'll get a lunch that that week. And then I'll get a text or I'll get a message that says, hey, can we do a baptism next week? That person received Jesus at lunch. And you've, you've sat here and watched people get baptized because somebody who is not on staff, who's not asked, who's not paid, after church, well, well, God, God, who should I talk to? I don't know. I haven't asked them why they ha- and how, how they picked their person. But we have seen the fruit of this. 
They show up with, and they're on purpose. And there has been salvations and life change on the other side of it. They have chosen to engage in church at a level that amazes me. It's a level that I think I want each of us to consider. It's this, I want you to consider that you have ownership here. That you, if you are a part of the church, if this is your church, and I'm not talking about the building, it's the people. Take ownership here. Did you know? I talk to people about the orchard and I say, it's the most powerful collection of people in the area. We have leaders and talent and resource like no one else has in our, in our, in our services. We are a powerful people. And, and, and we come together and we have a powerful God who's put those gifts in you, who's put those talents in you. And there are others in the church who can, who, can, who can benefit from what God has put inside of you. Your greatest ministry, even if you're a business person or not, your greatest ministry may be with other people in this room. Orchard, we had, we had a two-year interruption. A two-year interruption that has disengaged a lot of us from vital things. We just disengaged from this and we engaged in other things. We had blowing winds and earthquakes and fires that we've, have gotten a lot of our attention. But it's time. It's time. They're gonna con- don't be surprised when the wind continues to burn, c- continues to blow. There will always be hot air. It's just magnified now over the internet and the news in our living rooms. Let's stop being surprised at hot air. Let's stop being surprised at earthquakes and oh no. Let's stop being surprised at the urgency of the fires around. Let, let's stop being surprised. It's gonna continue. We can't wait for a day when that goes away. It, 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 well, it will, it's called heaven. But, but we, we can't wait for those to go away. Let's not be surprised. And instead, like Elijah, let's carve out time despite those things where our soul finds ground in front of our God holy ground where his voice speaks to us, where his word feeds us. Engage is the primary theme God is calling us to in 2022, to engage. The second theme of this year is deeper roots. God has continued to tell me this year that, that this, year, this is the year for the orchard to grow. And you gotta know, pastors, we love the word grow. They have conferences that tell pastors how to grow your church. But you know what I've learned over the last year? God's just a lot better at it than I am. He is just so good at growing a church numerically. I, 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 I've decided I'm gonna kind of leave it to him. Like he's, he's, we're on the airwaves of Vanuatu. We got churches down there. We're, we're in Arizona. We're, we have people across the nation who contact me and say, hey, I'm tuning in once again. Like I, I, I'm, I'm not that savvy. I know you're shocked, mom especially, but I'm, I'm just not that good. So when God said it's time to grow, I was like, I'm gonna leave the growth to you. And he said, I want the orchard to grow deep. It is time for deeper roots because deep roots withstand any wind. It is time to grow deeper roots. Jeremiah 17, seven and eight says this, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. They're like trees planted along the riverbank with roots that reach deep down in to the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. That's the circumstances around them. Such trees are not worried about the circumstances around them. Their leaves stay green. They thrive. They have life. They have peace amidst the panic. It says this, their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. My dad's sermon last week on the fruit of the spirit and how, how that is true of us. And here's the, here's the secret is that the, the, the deeper the root, the more fruit. 
Listen, have you ever tried to produce an an apple of of patience on Highway 82 going to Aspen? Just like straining to squeeze an apple of patience out? Uh, No. You got to have deep roots in Jesus to get some fruit of patience on Highway 82, right? I mean, like we need deep roots in these places and situations so that this fruit will never stop producing. That means it can be produced in this situation and in this situation. You can be kind here. You can be patient here because you're deeply rooted. You have grown, but you haven't worked to strain out fruit. You have worked to put down roots. You can produce the fruit of peace while the culture panics. You can produce the fruit of kindness while everybody else is in chaos. You can produce the fruit of self-discipline amidst a world of temptation. Because the fruit comes from the root. So this year, we engage in the places that matter most, and we put down deeper roots. Mark 4.17, Jesus himself talks about the kind of person who claims to follow God, yet doesn't put down deep roots. It says, he says this, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they face problems. I know far too many people who that, I've seen that verse play out this last two years. And I just, once again, let's stop being surprised when we face problems. Stuff happens, so they say. Problems happen. They're going to happen. It says they fall away as soon as they face problems because they don't have deep roots. Colossians 2, 7 says this though. Let your roots grow down into God and let your lives be built on them. It says do that then, if you do that, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Being rooted in Jesus is vital. That is the challenge for this coming year because for many of us, we've been exposed the last two years. Our faith has been exposed. When there was a shaking, it exposed more of our roots than we, would, we wanted when the wind blew, it exposed more than we were ready. Now, I'm not just going to tell you this. I, just don't, I don't just want to say, go out, meet with God, and, and grow deep roots. We want to partner with you on this as, as the orchard. And so well, there's some things that we're working on. And, and first, the way is this. Engage here on Sunday mornings um, and be a part of the body. Find a place where you can serve or, or lead or facilitate or anything or, or pray offering your strengths to be part of the community. But I, wanted, I just want to caution you. Uh, no matter how good of a preacher you have, and I listen to some really good ones during the week. I mean, no matter how good they are, if I listen to a preacher once a week, that is not enough to truly put down the kind of roots that hold through the wind. Once a week is just not enough did you know that your body needs certain vital nutrients to run effectively? Yes. And if you're lacking in these nutrients, your body becomes what's called anemic. And anemic leads to this, weakness, fatigue, and melancholy, which is a lack of passion. The same is true of our spiritual lives. If Sunday morning is the only time that I engage in God, I have one hour and I come here and I go, give me, give me my vitamin. And I get one hour with God, it's going to lead to an anemic faith that is weak, a weak faith. It's tiresome and lacks 
passion. And I think if we take those three adjectives and we look in a mirror, some of us will see that we have an anemic faith. It's weak, lacks passion, it's tiresome. Our souls were created for far more than just a once a week, one hour of gathering of believers. It's, it's healthy, but more is needed, which is why we're offering some, some things, this, this, some new things and some things we always offer. The first is this, and you've heard me talk about it forever, is growth groups, our small group ministry, a place where you can come and know people and be known. And here's what I know. If you haven't joined a small group by this point, it's been a choice of yours because you, I, I have talked about it so much. And I just want to say, perhaps when you say, well, I'm going to engage in what would be important this year, maybe that's where you finally engage and join a growth group. Email our office and get involved in one and be known and know people and open up your life. A place to discuss the Bible and, and discuss what's going on in, in, in your heart. And in this spring, also, we're going to offer new Bible studies. We have Piper, who teaches the bloodline prophecy after each service, exploring Jesus from Genesis to the cross. And another study I am so excited about is on the book of Revelation. And I just got to tell you, if there is one request I get from people, it's that I would teach on the book of Revelation. I mean, it's got wars, Armageddon, the Lannisters, dragons. It has it all. All people want to know is about uh, Revelation. And, and in fact, we have a doctor in our midst who knows Revelation. Like, like, so starting Tuesday, January 25th, mark that down. January 25th, it's a Tuesday at 6.30 in the Gathering Center, Dr. David Corson will be teaching through Revelation to us. Everyone who's been through this study previously has raved about how it came to life to them in a new way. I would say this, engage in new ways to grow new roots. Make Tuesdays at 6.30 a priority. Come and be a part of that. If you, we're gonna video it. If you miss one, you can catch back up, but he's gonna go through Revelation and you're gonna see so much of these questions you have about that in a new way. So mark your calendar for Tuesday the 25th. We have w- many women's Bible studies that are in the launch process and studies that, that some have with some have childcare, some don't have childcare, because we understand there are the women of the orchard are in many different phases of life. But we want you to come join in some of these Bible studies. Also, women, we have a new mentorship program starting. That that those um, further along in faith can mentor those who are younger in faith. So you you could you can be a mentor or a mentee, and we're gonna be working on that. If you have any interest in these Bible studies or in the mentorship ministry, you can email us at the at the office at theorchardlife.com. Men, we have one study that meets Thursday mornings at a bar. Thursday mornings at 6.30. More is needed. I don't need to tell you that. I want to pause here and answer a, a challenge. The only thing that keeps us from having more men's Bible studies is the lack of male leadership. Never before in the history of, of my ministry have I seen um, what 20, 2020 and 21 did to, to the men of churches. They are more disengaged than ever as there's so many other things to engage in. But this is the time, men, this is the time to engage in what matters most, to lead your family and, and to be a leader in the church. And so I wanna ask you, there, listen, there are so many men in this place that have the gift of administration or leadership or facilitation, whatever it would be. You don't have to be the upfront leader, but men, I know we're gifted in this place. You are needed. You're needed. It's time for many of us to step up and engage and use the gifts God has given us because as a church, we're anemic in some of these areas. So I'm gonna challenge you. 
to step up in these areas. And I don't want you to email the office if that's you. I want you to email me personally, daniel at theorchardlife.com. We're going to be launching a young professionals group in a new way this spring. We have a plethora of young adults who, who maybe don't have families here. Looking, they're looking for a tribe and a community and a place and a purpose. And we're going to be launching a young adults ministry. They still meet throughout the, um, throughout the month. And so if you'd like to be a part of that and get involved in this group of young people, then that's office at theorchardlife.com. And I asked what young professional meant because I don't, I don't know what the cutoff was. And they said it was around 40-ish. I don't know what 40-ish means, but you, you know, you'll, if you feel like you fit in the young professionals, go to it. Um, beyond that, we have more plans, like a, a foundations class that would just say, what does it mean to have a, a time with God? What is, it, what is the Bible? Just some of these things that answer these basics. But also, I told, I've been telling you guys that God is positioning the orchard for something great. He's positioning us for something great. The debt being paid off, the moving, there's, there's, there's pieces coming into play. It's all coming together. God is positioning us for something great. And as it clarifies, do you know what we get to do in the, in, the, in the moment? While he positions us, we prepare. That you would be seeking God. That you would be preparing yourself for what he has for you next. And there are some things coming this fall that I cannot mention, that I want to so bad, that, that I think are going to just blow you away. Some cool things on, that we're working on that are going to be really fun and, and be transformative for many of us who decide to, to get involved in this. God is positioning the orchard for new things. It's an exciting time to be a part of this. So this year, your personal spiritual life, the number one thing I would say, if, again, if you believe about anything, is to engage your personal spiritual life with God. May you listen less to the wind. May you listen less to the shaking fear or the frustrating fires of our culture. And may you engage in making time like Elijah, that you would go there and wait in the secret place and let the world rage around you. But when you hear the day mama, the call of God to come out, you answer it and you walk out onto holy ground. Because the same God that spoke to Elijah wants to speak to you. The same God that spoke to Moses and David and Deborah and Mary wants to speak to you. And the call's been the same. It's been the same since Moses, the same since Elijah and Isaiah and all these. It's the same as, come. But we're too busy listening to the wind or panicked by the shaking or angry at the fire. Orchard engage in the one place that matters most, the holy ground that is only for your soul and your God. And let's put down deeper roots this year. Because as God positions us, he wants to change your life. He wants to see revival come to your heart. He wants to see revival come to your family, to our church, to our region, and wherever God takes us. Let's step in, let's engage in God's presence. We get a chance as we go into worship to engage in worship, which is part of it. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you call each of us to a personal holy ground where you speak to us through your word, through your spirit. I pray, Father, that today you would take the veil and off of our hearts and our eyes that we could see that, yes, it is a wild and chaotic world out there, but you've called our soul to come and listen to you. I pray that even now, during this moment, just this, this is the moment we're going to have, that your spirit would whisper. As each of us say, God, speak to me. Lord, may you talk. 
May we, may we hear the voice that Elijah heard, that Moses heard, that Mary heard. Speak to us. We want to hear the day mama of holy ground. In Jesus' name, amen.